Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm with a special guest. I'm with Dustin of World's Last Hope. He is a Korean natural farming expert, and he kind of modifies it to a modern style, which utilizes everything around you. And uh, I'm highly excited for you to be on the show today. And thank you for reaching out and trying to spread the word. Um, Could you explain to some people uh, where you're at and how you got into cannabis usage? Um, So... <laughs> I'm in Northern California, born and raised, um, like right down the street from the Emerald, Emerald Triangle and Humboldt and everything else. Um, my whole life, I kind of grew up and um, I would end up getting bronchitis every single year, every single year for about uh, three weeks out of the year in December, every single year from when I was like six years old until I was about 16, 17. Um, actually started smoking cannabis and never got it again and found out that it actually helps me with um, eating problems, headaches, stress, anything else. It's actually a very, very good, ulti- uh, ultimately multivitamin and a medicine. Actually, cannabis has got over 27 different essential B vitamins. So literally you can take it as a multivitamin. Yeah, but, I know the uh, seeds have all the amino acids and all the, the full protein amino acids in the seeds from what I've heard. So it's very healthy for those. I've eaten those a lot. And uh, you also... I heard you talking on another podcast. You had some kind of allergy or something, you or you had some kind of contaminated herb that you smoked and that triggered you to make want to grow your own in the healthiest manner possible. Could you explain that to the listeners out there? Also? Yeah. So I had a friend in quotations that had these plants that were pretty decent size. They were like eight to twelve. They were like eight to twelve pounders. Um, it was just all salt grown. It's just all straight grow more. But um, he had them about three weeks out from harvest and had mites so fucking bad that they were baskets, like just baskets. It looked like cotton candy through them. It was really bad. Um, a couple weeks later it came out and he gotten rid of them, all, getting rid of them all. And the plants actually looked pretty decently clean. Like he cleaned up certain things, but I was at, around harvest time. I was like, hey, I started asking him a few questions. I was like, Hey man. So, uh, you know what you use to get rid of this? He's like, Oh, I used Avid. I'm like, Whoa, 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 Whoa you you're like two weeks out and you just used avid he's like yeah it's like oh got rid of the mites i'm like dude that is a like systemic poison that actually bonds to your dna brings out your genetic flaws and it the recommended rate for that product is 56 days they say oh you spray it right before you go into flower and you're fine no it's made for roses and christmas trees the government has tested it it is six months to touch and it's still and you still ingest it if you touch it it is 12 months to eat and didn't know it until after I already consumed a little bit of it and then got permanent heart damage because of it. I actually went to my local doctor and he was like, hey, did you know that your, uh, your heart rate's off and your blood pressure's off? It's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you need to go see a cardiologist. So they did a sonogram on my heart and they're like, your heart is swollen, infected, has fluid in it, is beating irregularly and your blood pressure's through the roof. You need to take this pill every day, three times a day, or you will have a heart attack and die. Were, oh, you, uh, shit. were you smoking it or were you eating, making edibles out of it? Was it hash? I was, I was, so, so I was smoking it. But the thing is, is your lungs don't have anything to buffer anything going into your body. Your stomach has stomach acid to help kind of buffer certain things. So with certain super heavy pesticides that they use in the agricultural part, the uh, agricultural part of our just in food and vegetables in general, your stomach can handle some of that stuff, but your lungs absorb everything. If it's a smoky day outside, people that have respiratory problems are having a very, very rough time. 
Um, but yeah, unfortunately I ingested like a quarter pound of it and a bunch of concentrates of it. And yeah, all of a sudden I just started not feeling very good and went to the doctor and the doctor's like, yeah, your heart's completely off. So I actually used to even be a four sport athlete in school. I used to do basketball, soccer, golf track, and then race my dirt bike all summer. Um, very healthy. And, um, yeah, I went to the cardiologist and he told me pretty much you have to take this pill three times a day. You have, a, you will have a heart attack and die. So I started taking the, their pills and started throwing up every day from about eight to noon every day for like eight months. Okay. Well, here's one for nausea. Now I just like hurt. Okay. Well, here's for pain. Okay. Here's for nausea again. Okay. Here's for back pain. Here's for, and dude, I ended up taking like eight different pills every day and just throwing them up every single day and was like, dude, this is, I'm still having heart problems. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Started growing my own organic grown cannabis and found out, guess what? There is things that help with heart arrhythmia, blood pressure, um, stomach problems, head problems, things like that. So it actually like when my heart goes out of sync, if it's going boom, boo, 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 my heart will go boo, 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 boo. So you go over there and it's like your clothes are out of the, out of a sink in your washing machine. You readjust them and it starts working fine. Um, I start smoking any indica that is organically grown and it'll actually help put my heart sink but it does not seem to work the same with the synthetic version of it. Like my body doesn't seem to like EDTA. I just, that's my consistent diet. I'm just consistently just not feeling well. Yeah. So I, I started a... trying to create a program to grow the absolute best quality, cleanest medicine, highest nutritional content medicine that I possibly could, because I have other patients that actually physically need it. And if they run into mold, pesticides, anything like that, they're down in bed for a few weeks at a time. I'm the same way. Like it's, it's not, it's not fun. So I try to create a system that everybody could partake in, but you could still have the absolute cleanest meds that are actually good for you. Yeah. I had uh, smoked a lot of tainted weed back in my youth and it really messed up my lungs. Uh, since I've been growing my own, I don't have any lung issues. I, I can breathe better. Uh, so, you know, and unfortunately, the whole pesticide thing, it's just like cigarettes. They're, the guy can sit there and chain smoke cigarettes and go through a carton a day. And then there'll be one person that smokes one pack and gets lung cancer. Or the guy that's sitting in the room gets secondhand smoke and gets lung cancer. It all depends on your body and your chemical composition. Yeah, everybody's unique in how cannabis affects them for sure. Uh, yep. Indica strains. What are some of your favorite indica strains that you do like to, to use? Um, I like right now. I like this Bubba diagonal. It's a pre 98 Bubba sour diesel on true OG, um, black Domina. It's a three-way land race. It's uh 80. So it's, they took one of 300, one of 300, one of 500, and then crossed the three together and then chose, um, eight, the 86th Fino out of 300 out of that. But it's called black Domina. It floats around up here. It's super duper Indica, but it's like, uh, Afghani Ortega, I forget the other side of it, but it's very, very good medicine. It tastes like straight up like rotten raw meat. Girls do not like that cut, but it's very, very, very strong. Yeah, it's in um, the taste, I'm, I'm sure. The Sensi Dominant Death Star, um, it's like 22% THC, 12% CBD, but it's it's indica, more indica. Uh, they took the NYC Sour D on Sensi and then back crossed it back to Sensi. Really good weed. Um, I'm mainly an OG head though. Like, I like stronger flour that way that I don't have to go do, I mean, I'll, I like to sit here and smoke a bowl and then go do other things or take a dab and go do other things. I don't want to sit here all day and smoke. I want my meds to be strong enough to get me through my day and do what I need to do. Yeah. I'm the same way. I don't want to overconsume. I just need enough to make my day better while I'm working. Get gets me motivated and kind of the opposite of the stigma that cannabis has out there of 
people being lazy, they'll smoke, be lazy and sit around on the couch all day and do nothing. It's all about being a productive stoner is what I call it. Don't be the guy that sits here and just burns out, passes out. No, you smoke. If you're with me, we're going to go do some shit. So get high, but we're still moving and get in the habit of doing that. (laughs) If you can't, if you can't work and smoke, then you don't get to smoke. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So all this led into your personal research trial and error. You were talking on uh, some other podcast about how you could actually taste the nutrients as you're smoking it. Could you explain that a little bit to some of the uh, listeners? Out yes. There? So I uh, started doing a lot of trial and error side by side because I was running a bunch of nutrient companies side by side by side by side. And then I started dipping into organics and then running organics and synthetics side by side and trying to blend them together and trying to build soil and trying to find out certain regiments where, you know, obviously you don't want if you're going to be with this plant for three months, you want it to taste and get you where you want to be the best. You don't, there's nobody likes plants that look great. That tastes like shit. Like that's not the end goal of any of this. Um, so I literally started just trying an error, like been like, okay, well, Botanicare does this. Okay. Well, uh, Fox farms does this. Oh, well, heavy 16 does this. Well, Mills does this. Okay. Well, age old does this. Okay. Well, um, vital garden supply does this, uh, nature's pride does this. And then starting to be like, okay, well, this is their regiments. Well, what if I back them off to certain rates and see how that tastes or whenever you're starting to build soil, a lot of time, like when you're doing a super soil, it's overloaded. So it's like, oh, it's water only, but plants don't really fade. They're black as shit the whole way out. That means the plant still has nutrients left in them. But there's a difference between the plant going off of a liquid feed that it can eat and get rid of quickly versus something that's sticking in the soil that it can slowly keep leaching off of and keep feeding off of. For instance, trace minerals, if you go heavy on trace minerals or if you use them early, uh, the last time you want to use trace minerals is going into flour. If you top dress any kind of like azomite, zeolite, bentonite, uh, soft rock phosphate, um, any of those dusts, you're going to end up tasting it in your throat. You're going to start smoking your weed and be like, man, this tastes great. But then you're going to start having a back of your burn, back of your throat burn. Um, too much sulfur. You can taste it on your lips. Like your lips will actually burn. Uh, phosphorus, tip of your tongue. Uh, too much nitrogen, palate of your tongue. Um, sometimes when you do bat guanos too late, a lot of people like the liquid bat guano or the bat guanos. If you've ever amended dirt with bat guano, it's in the air. It gets all up in your sinuses. You can taste it and you taste it for a few days and anything you smoke, that's what it tastes like. And if you start feeding that too late in flour, that's what all of your flour ends up tasting like, or same thing with kelp, same thing with nitrogen, same thing with like alfalfa, same thing with certain PK boosters, certain PK boosters, like for instance, say like liquid cool bloom from, um, general hydroponics. Um, that's probably one of the easiest, most gentle ones that they have in my opinion, but it's just straight up a 0050. It's sulfate of potash, but it's cut with a uh, phosphoric acid, I believe. But with the regiments that I found out with just making my own inputs that I found out that pretty much our flour recipe turns out to be like a 05030. Super high PK, but that's the same as almost most bud hardeners on the market. But we're consistently feeding this all the way through. This is such a clean system that i can feed today harvest today it'll still burn white and you will not taste anything unless there's something lingering in my soil which my soil now is 29 runs deep i want to say like pretty close to it's like seven years seven almost eight years old and i've been consistently running it four times four times a year forever and and multiple rooms and veggies and everything else and outdoor and indoor and yeah so um excuse me so you do you use a modern 
modern natural farming technique, you said, which is similar to KNF, but it, it has different applications because you're using more stuff right around you and uh, more available to in your area. Could you kind of explain the difference between that? And then we'll take a little break and then we'll come back and kind of go into some of your recipes and sure. then we'll go into uh, um, shoot your classes. I know you're giving classes on this, when, where, and yeah. everybody can get in touch with you and how they can get into your classes. Yeah. Um, so I started doing, uh, Korean natural farming about 11 years ago. Um, back when I started, there was, there wasn't anybody teaching it. Um, there was literally just like the super broken manual. Um, Drake was just starting to put out videos on YouTube, but they're mainly for his, his lawn and his grass and his, you know, uh, things around his property. Um, but there really wasn't anybody doing it I tried and looked and looked and looked and looked and looked and looked and could not find anybody doing it. And I started implementing it. And actually I started getting on uh, Instagram about five years after I discovered it and started teaching a few of my friends at locally. And they're like, Holy crap. And then started teaching it on Instagram and people were like, Holy shit. Like this dude's making microbial solutions, um, support bacteria, uh, veg food, like 10 different kinds of veg food, straight fish food that he's making without smell that actually doesn't, you feed it one time, your whole house doesn't smell like fish. Um, he's making his own bud hardeners. He's making his own flower foods. He's making his own finishers, IPM programs. It's just eventually you just start being like, well, I ran all these companies. Well, what did I like from this company? Well, I like these guys as microbial solution. Are there, for instance, heavy 16, their roots fire, is BIM. It's beneficial indigenous microorganisms. It's literally IMO, IMO2, cut in water, fermented, and now you have your own liquid microbial solution that actually helps promote root growth, helps metabolize what's in your soil, and helps actually give your plant free food just out of different bacteria that you collect out of the air. Gives you nitro fixers, phosphixers, photosynthetic bacteria, and purple non-sulfuric bacteria if you collect the right colonizations with them. Um, but after a while, you just go, man, I really like this product. How can you make it? That's, that's as easy as it is. Okay. What can I use to supplement this? Okay. Well, you've still got some of this make what you think is the closest thing to it. Try them side by side, side, see the results. Like that's literally what I had to do is just literally sit down and be like, well, plants like this rate plants hate this rate. I overdid this. They hated that. I underdid this. It's not enough. Like, so you either need to make higher concentrations or it all depends on what you're trying to balance. So the whole point I thought when I first started getting into the Korean natural farming section, was this whole style is meant for this whole style was literally meant for third world countries it's meant to be like hey we have nothing we have farmland that we can't plant in we have trees that don't produce any fruit we have bushes that don't have any fruit on them like we can't there's no food and they go okay here's some rice here's sugar here's fruit eat all the rice you want any leftover rice we're going to show you how to cultivate microbes from different places that are naturally there we're going to put those in your soil and make your dirt soil we're going to take any of the raw rice you have and we're going to show you how to create a super strong bacteria to help sterilize your land to help make it fertile okay eat all the fruit and vegetables you want any of the leftovers we're going to put those aside we're going to ferment and make those food for plants that we're going to collect from those seeds so you literally had nothing and now we're going to give you something and make you actually sustainable well, I started being like, well, how can I introduce this to all of our growing companions, the guys that are wanting to grow weed, the guys that are in the middle of Humboldt, the guys that are in the middle of Mendo? What about the kids that are just starting in the middle of L.A., middle of Oakland, like, you know, big cities that they are like, dude, I don't got a fucking farm. I ain't got a farmland. I've got a two by two tent and that's all I can do. You can still play you back in the day. Even if you were a beggar on the streets, you were not 
starving to death because you still knew how to grow your own things. With this system, if you just straight eat food, you can go to the grocery store. This is not the obviously this is not the best part to do. But if you go to the grocery store, try to look for as organic things as you possibly can, obviously. But go buy your fruits and vegetables, come home, make your inputs and you can apply those to your garden and it will cost you little to nothing. And you can and you don't need any more space than you normally would. Like literally, you can get away with using small little mason jars like a, a can this big will literally give you like about 250 gallons of food, like just the concentration rates that we end up using because we're making. So when I started looking through all the Korean natural farming input lists, it feels like some things were lost in translation and certain things needed to be updated. For instance, I feel like there's a big difference between a fermented plant juice, a fermented plant extract and a Jadam liquid fertilizer. So a Jadam liquid fertilizer is just material and water. That's fine, but you can't consistently repeat the dilution rates with your JL JLF. So you're consistently added to it. But if you're like, all right, well, plants will take this much. Well, okay, well, how do you learn how much they take? You're gonna have to burn some plants to just see your dilution rates. And you're gonna have to, you're gonna keep adding to it so it's gonna get stronger and stronger. So your dilution rates need to go further back. With the style that I try to teach, you actually get a certain volume amount and you get the same amount every time. So you can repeat your process. So if you actually have something that you like, you can do the same thing next round. It doesn't change. You can change it, but it doesn't change. And the, I feel like the fermented plant juices. Well, how do you make juice? Like, how do you make juice from the store? You go buy a thing of concentrate, you add water to it. That makes it juice. Well, how do you make the concentrate? There's no water added. So I feel like that's the difference between a fermented plant extract and a fermented plant juice and a JMS. The fermented plant extracts are super concentrated, but there's no liquid. The more liquid you add, the more diluted that your ferment's going to end up being. But in the Korean natural farming standpoint, a fermented plant extract is water, lacto, let it sit. A extra or a juice is plants, sugar, atmospheric pressure lets it do its thing. I think the extracts are the sugars, the juices are with the water, but at the same time, it's all about the dilution rates. If you just straight up take cannabis leaves, ferment those in water and feed that to your plants, they go, oh man, that was awesome. That was great. But I'd like some more. I want more. Like I want more tomorrow. Like that was cool, but I want more tomorrow. Whenever you start making the modern natural farming versions, you start making super concentrated versions of our food because we're trying, we're not trying to grow fruits and vegetables. You can. You totally can. That's what this whole style was based around. I've tailored it to be more concentrated for cannabis. So every single, like if you have something like a straight up apple, you're not diluting that one to 10. You're taking the apple and taking just the actual extract of the apple using the sugars to stimulate the uh, uh, microbes on the leaf surface to go through and micro compost and suck the nutritional content out of that apple, composting it, actually make peeing and pooping it out. But it's making that instantly available to the plant that is now in an extracted super concentrated form that the plant will uptake and go, man, that was awesome. I'll see you in a couple of days. Instead of being like, oh, I'd like some more tomorrow. Because if you miss one feed, you're going to have to consistently keep slapping it, keep slapping it, keep slapping it. But me having a synthetic background going to an organic background, I also go through a ton of different plant deficiencies. I teach you how to spot and correct a bunch of different deficiencies, magnesium, sulfur, iron, uh, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, Cobalt, overwatering, underwatering, pH swings, pH high, pH too low, soil mixes, top amendment kits, uh, all kinds of different things.
but on um, my class is a, it's my class is a two day class, but it's about 14 to 20 hours we go over. So if you buy all the ingredients needed for the class, I actually walk you through online step-by-step step how to make everything, when to use them, how much to use, why you're using them and how the plant uptakes them and what that actually turns into. Um, but I have a whole feed regiment, but in class you make up to 14 inputs, but we go over, over like 35 because everything is food, everything. And I can show you how to use it. And if you have things around you, I can show you where to place them because this is not just a basic, you have to do this, you have to do this. It's like, no, I've got a lawn outside that's not sprayed. What can I do with it? Oh, that makes great veg food. That's actually super good veg food. Oh, I've got a couple bamboo plants outside. What can I do with them? There's your silica source. Like I can show you how to find your plant, recognize it, what it actually breaks down into mineral wise, where to place it and how much to use of it and how that'll help your plants. Nice. So basically it's trying to feed your plants the healthiest possible, just like yourself. You feed your plant what you feed yourself basically in super high concentrations. I heard you were talking on another cast. It was uh, like milliliters to the gallon compared to yes. ounces to the gallon. Well, again, I normally, so whenever we do like our, so like a basic feed for, um, like say vegetative steak, like say if you want to give them actual veg food, I like to use cannabis leaf FBE. I've, so there's nothing more that plants love than being fed themselves. So if you can either top feed them, grind them up, dry them out, grind them up into a meal. So you can add those to amendments and brew them in teas. You can extract them and make cannabis leaf FPEs. Um, I like to use the cannabis leaf FPE. Again, it's just straight up 27 different essential B vitamins. So, um, what are B vitamins essentially to the plant? Well, vitamin B6 is riboflavin that converts into nitrogen. So that's nitrogen for your plant. Vitamin B1 helps with uh, transplant shock. So if you straight up feed cannabis leaf FPE while you transplant, it's going to help that plant sustain and not have that shock that it goes into and actually sit there and stunt for a while. It's going to try to grow up while it's rooting instead of trying to root and then grow up. Um, basic feed though would be like uh, three, two to three milliliters of cannabis FPE two to three milliliters of brown rice vinegar, or I actually even use white rice vinegar. It's more available to me over on the Cali coast. We have California white rice, which has got four out of the five um, main uh, amino acids. But um, uh, water-soluble calcium, I make mine from oyster shells. Um, it's a lot faster reaction that I can actually use today, and I can actually visibly see it actually work. Um, but it'd be like water-soluble cal at two, uh, cannabis leaf FPE at three, uh, brown rice vinegar at three, um, OHN at one. Uh, that'd be pretty much like a good basic veg. You can add humic acids if you like, but um, I, I feel like more enzymes and amino acids are more of our building blocks because we're actually trying to capture different hormones for different cycles to help them take that plant and push it to its next cycle. So in, essentially you're trying to take a child you're going to feed a baby a child to a baby to make it a child you're going to make that you're going to feed a teenager to a child to make it a teenager you're trying to help progress those hormone levels to the next states gotcha you said hno what what was hno again oh ohn uh oh, oriental herbal nutrient but it's essentially uh medicine for your plant it's going to be a uh hard extracted um mix of a garlic cinnamon ginger base with rosemary and uh rosemary and basil added so uh, cinnamon is a very, very, just a very, it's got really good growth hormones, but it's also antiseptic. Most bugs do not really like um, cinnamon. Garlic, a lot of things don't like cinnamon, but it's also very, very good for your immune system. But it's also got very, very high sulfur content, which also brings out natural oils and aromas in your plants. Um, 
the ginger ginger all is the main oil in ginger but that's responsible for most of its medicinal properties but ginger garlic cinnamon and ginger by themselves just make a great a moon booster but that one you can actually start adding in any kind of herbs or anything that's medicinal or anything that you're doing with bug preventatives so say you run into ants ants hate mustard you ferment mustard add that to your ohn now you're consistently feeding it as preventatives you're using the garlic, cinnamon, ginger, so you're consistently helping boost that plant's internal immune system. But you're also using it in vegetative, space, uh, vegetative state and spraying it all the time. But you also water all these guys in. Uh, that was one of the big things that I found between the KNF and MNF is most of the KNF stuff was meant was meant for foliar feeding. I started like watering it in and being like, well, this kind of works kind of like how some of these other nutrients have been working. So let's just see how much they can take and they can't. So mainly the way the reason behind the um fermentations is most of them are very very low ph or excuse me it's like seven two seven four the more inputs that you end up adding the lower your ph is going to end up buffering which that's fine we have cation exchange as your soil buff, uh, dries out it'll naturally raise back up to its natural ph but lactic acid lactobacillus is such a strong species of bacilli that if anything is sitting with water sitting still it's going to try to ferment it or if you start overwatering, or if you start hitting your ph too low consistently it's not about the cation exchange at that point it's more about lacto taking it over and trying to ferment it and drop it down to three which everything that's another reason why we try to use the brown rice vinegar because it actually helps break down lactic acid in your root ball, but it's also a natural organic pH stabilizer. It'll actually lower your pH, higher it, and then stabilize it. Um, it also helps break down calcium and makes nitrogen more available to your plant. Oh man, there's so much more to talk about here. Um, we're gonna take a little bit break here and we're gonna come back and run maybe through an, uh, a recipe or two, and then sure. we will continue from there. And we'll be right back, folks. This episode is brought to you by Colorado's own Cannabis Connoisseurs Coalition, founded in 2002 and the Thanksgiving event. This connoisseur event is running through the month of November with the legendary Thanksgiving dinner on the 26th. You might be wondering, what is the Connoisseurs Cup? What is Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving is a very special holiday that we have been celebrating for generations within the Cannabis Connoisseurs Coalition and is our official Connoisseur Cup qualifier for the month of November. The top growers in and around Colorado get together every Thanksgiving around the end of November to feast, celebrate, share, and gain knowledge on what the community's top products and producers are doing so they can help each other rather than undercutting and competing against each other. This combined with several childhood stoner dreams of traveling to Amsterdam to judge the finest cannabis and cannabis products in the world only to be let down by the actual function of today's cups and competition, led us to build what we believe is the greatest cup competition of all time. We work hard to provide industry and non-industry competitors a fair platform during our seven month blindly judged season. Each entry receives one post, one story, one reel, and is added to our website to announce them into the competition. We make sure to give plenty of time to our judges to taste and rate every entry with a clear head and is thoroughly judged by top connoisseurs and the community judges. After 30 days of judging, we will compile our scoring data and announce the top entries that have qualified to compete in our 2023 Connoisseurs Cup Finals. All competitors have the option to go over the data we collect and will be provided with a brief marketing analysis to help provide crucial information to help make this plant 
community and industry the very best we possibly can. Judging and competitor passes are available at theconnoisseurcup.com. It's $250 per entry, one ounce equivalent, and entries are accepted through the end of November. That means you have less than two weeks to get your entry in. This year's main event is going to be on November 26th at Dave's house in Colorado Springs. The address and details will be sent after tickets are purchased online at theconnoisseurcup.com. Do you have what it takes? Find out. Make sure to get your entries in and come hang out with Colorado's finest at Thanksgiving dinner at Dave's. And welcome back, everyone. I'm here with Dustin from World's Last Hope still, and we're going to run over some of his MNF farming methods. That's modern natural farming, which is a little bit different than KNF, Korean natural farming, where it is tuned strictly for cannabis and using the stuff that's right around you, you have available. Um, could you run down a fertilizer, the NPK mix, uh, <coughs> do you make them separately or do you have them all at the same time? Uh, could you um, explain how that works for the fertilizer part? Yeah. Um, so the nicest part about this system is it's still all about soil building. Uh, you're still wanting to build biology. You're still wanting to create a good ecosystem for everything to play nice. Um, you still want your soil super balanced and nutri nutritious, obviously. Cover crops are your best friend. The no-till systems work great with this. Um, even bag soil works great with this, but this is a soil-based system. The entire point of this, this system, I feel, is you're trying to get your soil to a point where you don't really have to do much, which obviously you want to try to create a living soil. But there are still certain points of that plant's life where you can push certain elements to make it exceed its potential where it wants to be fit. Um, so pretty well, you're going to be watching your plants and taking um, just taking note on what's happening, uh, looking for growth rates, looking for deficiencies, spotting certain things. Obviously, you want to start, if you can, getting your soil tested on regular, which is just a good tool, if you, uh, especially for big scale. Um, but if there's an element that you're missing in your soil, this is a great way to replace it while you're getting through your run so that you can correct it in your soil later on. So for instance, if you're lacking potassium, you can make your own water-soluble potassium. You can literally make each element you want individually. You can make nitrogen, you can make phosphorus, you can make potassium, calcium, calmag, calphos. Uh, you can make literally just about any element that you would like. Just find a plant that has that element specifically in it, go find it. Um, but for vegetative state, there's you can use just about anything that's a actual leafy green. But one of the absolute best tools for this whole system and finding out what you're trying to ferment, <clears throat> this is the key word. Google mineral content of, okay? It will not show you nitrogen, but that will be riboflavin. So anything that has got vitamin B6, it'll show you potassium, phosphorus, zinc, cobalt, iron. I mean, just for instance, uh, garlic, it's high in sulfur, it's antibiotic, it's got vitamin B, uh, vitamin C, magnesium, selenium, iron, copper, potassium. Um, let's see here, watermelon, it's got vitamin C, vitamin A, potassium, magnesium, vitamin B1, B5, B6, carotenes, beta carotenes, lipersine, crilatine, aka amino acids, antioxidants, alpha carotene, beta carotene, vitamin A, lipersine, gives color but doesn't change into vitamin A, curbaphene, antioxidant, it's also anti-inflammatory and helps lower inflammation. But that's just certain things that you can look up if you are trying to find where to place what you what you found obviously but that's just one thing that we can use in our flower foods um 
for vegetative state, if you fish, I mean, it, it all depends on what the fish are eating, really. Um, but at the same time, Google mineral content of bass, mineral content of trout, mineral content of salmon. Um, salmon, I like to use for flour. I like to use bass and trout for vegetative state. Um, but whenever you're making your own fish amino acid, um, you can actually add a enzyme called bromelain. Bromelain is actually the main enzyme uh, present in pineapple. So pineapple, if you eat too much of it, it'll eat you right back. It'll give you canker sores, but that is a flesh eating enzyme. So if you add just literally like one tenth to one twentieth, it just need the presence of it. You mix that with your fish, equal weight sugar, chop up your fish really well. That will completely digest that entire fish besides the scales and bones within about 21 days. Usable, ready to go fish that has been micro. It's been processed by microbes and it's actually just, it has no smell to it. That's the coolest part about that is that since it's not cold pressed or heated and pressed, it's microbially composted, there's no smell to it. So whenever you feed it, you still get all the uh, omega fatty acids. You still get all of the um, super good vitamins from all the fish, the fish oil and everything else, but you don't have to deal with the smell. Um, I really feel like the fish really helps bring on the oils onto your glands. Like if you've ever had weed that's sticky, and you've had weed that's greasy, greasy weed smokes better and it actually comes out with better hash. So <clears throat> when I developed the system, I, I went, I want to make the absolute most potent weed I can. I want to do, so I want to, I want to grow it for hash. That's what I want to do. I want to make the absolute greasiest, most coated shit that I can. How do I do that? Well, you got to work backwards. You got to find the strain to do that. You got to feed it a certain way. You got to give it certain lighting. And then you go from there, but you want to work backwards. Okay. Well, how can I bring on greasy glands or sticky glands? Well, I know the fish and the fish oil products really work well to help do that. Okay. How can I make my weed louder? Um, OHN, OHN has got the sulfur in it. Same thing. Whenever you're starting to push your cal mag late in flour, cal mag, cal mag is calcium, magnesium, and sulfur. Sulfur is a natural element that actually helps with natural flavors. Uh, magnes is a natural burker, bulker and calcium helps harden off cell walls to help protect them. Um, but it also, again, helps with nitrogen, uh, helps make nitrogen more available to the plant also. Um, but yeah, you can literally break down every single element as you'd like and, and, you know, whatever you're trying to boost, figure it out. Um, but yeah, just straight up for veg again, fish, fish work great. Um, but you can also, if you're fishing by yourself or if you're going out and fishing, the faster you can process that fish, the faster it's going to decompose. So you do not want to get anything frozen. If you have to buy fish, ask if it comes in fresh. Most times than not, they gut it, skin it, and throw it on ice, and then they send it to you. So it's not actually necessarily frozen. Um, but if you're kept, if you have a harbor down the street or anybody that go a buddy that goes fishing, dude, give them a five gallon bucket. Go get all those fish. But um, if you when you gut the fish, if you take the fish guts out, put those aside, you can ferment those and actually have your own straight blood meal. That's like a twelve zero zero or excuse me, a 15.00 that you use at like half a milliliter per gallon and it'll just blacken everything right out. Um, you can do that with any kind of chicken blood, pork blood, uh, chicken feathers. Um, you can, I mean, the world's your oyster. You can make your inputs out of amendments. You can make your, um, you can go out and, I mean, literally grass in your yard. As long as it's not sprayed, you can, I mean, grass makes a great, uh, supplement. But one thing, again, the one thing that plants love being fed them most is themselves. Cannabis leaf FPE kills it. And the cool thing about using your cannabis is if you're doing multiple cycles, say if you have an indoor or an outdoor and a depth, or if you have, if you're doing multiple runs indoors, 
your defoliations will actually start um, becoming the food for the next round. So you'll have all your plants that you um, tore apart in vegetative state and used all the um, clippings from that to actually use that for vegetative food. And then when you go into like week three in flower, that's when you can actually take the week three in flower and feed those to the guys going into flower and help progress them to their next level. The week five, you forget, you ferment those guys, give those to the week threes to help them progress to fives. And then when you're actually making your bubble hash, take your water from your bubble hash, add two cups of sugar to it, let it sit open. So it's aerobic. So if you seal anything, it's anaerobic. If you let it sit open, it's aerobic. Aerobic is going to pull in natural, natural yeast and lactic acid out of the air and start to start making its own pedicle layer or its own SCOBY. Um, but the a bubble hash water, you're taking all your microbes from everything that you've been consistently using in your runs. Um, you're using your, um, your later on flower material to help push the hormones from five to finish THC feed and THC. And you've got chlorophyll and I and all those terpenes to help with terpene development and pest resistance. But again, you start feeding that individual states going through flower and you can start trying to help push those natural hormone levels, but you start getting veg feed week, three feed week, five, three, and then you just from nothing things you normally throw away. Yeah, I've, I've thrown a lot of uh, defoliation away. I've used, sometimes I just top dress the rest and let it slowly work itself back into the dirt and the living soil. But uh, could you go through a recipe real quick? What would you do? For example, um, right at week two into flower is normally when I'll defoliate and it'll have some of that phosphorus nutrient because you're, it's transitioning. You're saying to everybody, do take that, mix it up, and then for the next round, you use that during transition phase because it's high in those nutrients of what the plant wants during that phase. What would be a five gallon bucket recipe for my defoliation? If I went in week two, defoliated, put it all into a five gallon bucket, what else would I need to, to use that? So, um, you need to have your, so a five gallon bucket whenever you actually rip. So I like to take my leaves and put them in my hand and get a big old stack of them you rip them up into thirds and then you're going to mix that equal weight sugar. So what you're going to be doing is you're going to be stimulating all the microbes on that leaf surface, trying to help kickstart the fermentation process and help it try to start fermenting. The atmospheric pressure out of the air is actually going to start lowering that material and trying to start shrinking it down. Um, but a five gallon bucket, you can almost fit an entire 55 gallon trash bag when it's completely ripped up. And after it's been shrunk down a few times, um, but literally, yeah, just take your leaves, rip them up, equate sugar mix them really 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 well you do not want any pockets that are not touched with it if they do they're going to start trying to bloom mycelium which is not exactly the worst thing in the world it's just now it's going to try to start sucking some of the moisture content out of your ferment you don't want that um but from there like literally i mean even again if you can even just make a small little jar like even if you only have like two Mason plants jar. worth of leaves like not even like 50 leaves rip those guys up equal weight sugar throw them in a mason jar throw a rock on it to weigh it down and just let it sit open for um seven to five, seven to ten days and you'll end up more than likely you're going to end up with just a little teeny tiny bit of that syrup but you might end up with like 30 or 40 milliliters of it that's going to make you 20 gallons of food at two mils per gallon that is, that's what I want to do. Be self-sufficient. Not have to worry about anybody. Keep it all in house, keep it rolling. That's, that's my plan. Um, and one of the, <clears throat> one of the biggest thing that I tried to promote whenever I'm doing my classes and trying to teach everybody is 
I, again, I've been doing this for a very long time. I could have been selling these nutrients from day one. I don't feel like that's the way for this style to go. I feel like this is something that you're going to teach. You're going to teach a man to fish. I mean, I've been teaching online for over six years now and teaching on uh, in-person classes, going to people's farms and teaching them and now teaching online. But it's, I feel this style is not meant to be sold. I'm, I'm not trying to teach you a class and then having you buy my products. I'm literally teaching you a class. You're paying for my time. But then from there, guess what? The world's your oyster. You have a complete new way of thinking about everything. You go, wow, I didn't realize that I have so many things that I can use around me. I'm going to start fermenting everything. Like after my class, it makes you want to go out and forage and go look for things, not want you to buy bottles. I'm not selling you shit besides my time. I feel like this is something I give you a fish you can eat for a day, you know, but if I teach you how to, if I teach you how to grow, you're going to fucking smoke for life. Yeah. I'm, I'm all about that too. That's why I'm trying to educate people and get people like yourself passionate about doing the same thing and educate people so they can do it themselves in these new states that also, become illegal. I'm also trying to make it so that everything is very, very easy to find. You can use as many different things as you possibly have around you. Once you have the tools to know how to do it and where to place it, dude, there's no limit. Like this is the end game. There's no, you don't, need to buy anything from anybody like i literally buy mycos azos because i just don't grow the plants to harvest from them and uh neem oil and enzymes and sulfur those are the five things i buy that's the only five things that i buy for have bought in for years besides clone blocks like i even make my own clone gel my own wedding agents my own uh mercine booster terpene dude World's your world's world's limit. What are you trying to enhance? Are you trying to make your weed so when you smoke it two hours later, that's still all you taste? That's mercy. Yeah, I make mercy boosters. Bud's not tight enough. It's either a mineral deficiency or you're not hitting them. Are you there's something wrong? It's either the strain, a deficiency, a mineral deficiency, or but I have something to tighten them up if they're not tight enough. But with this style, dude, I can have plants come in at day four with pre buds on them and they're solid as a rock. And by week three, it's enough to smoke on and it's clean as shit. Like you got to be your own worst critic for sure. And how I've done that is not even going through and testing my soil, reading the plants, testing, tasting my smoke and knowing what I'm amending. At the same time, if you're missing an element, then you start to be like, oh, fuck, I forgot to add my potassium. Then you start doubling up on your potassium and your feed regiment because the plant's going to uptake that within two to three days and be ready for more. But it's going to be pretty well depleted at that point. So you're going to have to keep reintroducing it because it's not getting it from the soil. But then you go next cycle instead of going, oh, fuck, I'm missing potassium. And you're like week five instead of you doing a heavy dose of kelp or uh, potassium sulfate or uh, wood ash or, you know, something that's super, super high in potassium. Make it a liquid feed so the plant can uptake and get rid of it. But that way, just keep an eye. Oh, this is what I was lacking. So when the cycle's done, the plant's not just getting that and then abundant of it and taste that. I'd rather struggle through the rest of that round, correct it, reset it. Exactly. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, you were, you were talking about the plant medicine again. What were the ingredients? You were like cinnamon, garlic, and Cinnamon, ginger. garlic, rosemary, ginger, and basil. So the traditional Korean natural farming style does um, garlic, cinnamon, ginger, rosemary, angelica, and licorice. So back in the day, I made that one and did not really care for it for the taste on my flowers. It was never sprayed on flowers. It was only watered in as medicine and uh, essential oil builder. But um, so I've made the one with the garlic, cinnamon, rosemary, and basil. Um, 
that one is specifically to get rid of mites, white flies, um, powdery mildew, a few other things. The one with the angelica licorice and um, uh, angelica licorice and uh, 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 turmeric, excuse me, um, made all of my flowers. I had 40 different cultivars, 40 different strains in a couple of different rooms. They all got fed my that OHN latent flower. Every single strain tasted like licorice. And there was OGs, berries, all kinds of different flavors. They all tasted like licorice. Hated it. That's I hated that. I hated that. Backed off on that recipe, started trying just the straight base, and then started trying to add a few other things to it and found out that if any element in your OHN is too overpowering, that's what's going to happen. You want you literally want to be able to put your pinky in it and taste it and be like, garlic, cinnamon, rosemary, ginger, basil. Like you can taste them all individually, not just be like, whoa, Angelica. Oh, that's, oh, wow. That's got a bunch of different things in it. And it's all tastes like that. Jesus. Like I, you want them all to be very, very, very evenly balanced. And you don't want something to overpower everything else. You're trying to use this as preventatives for bugs. You're trying to use this as medicine so the plant can uptake it, but also you're trying to use this to enhance flavors. You're trying to help bring out the natural essential oils of the plants. With the OHN that I teach you how to make, it makes your cushions more cushy, makes your OGs more OG. If you've got something that's berry and you're sick of the berry flavor, it'll bring out cushy tones in it. If you have, if you're using the fermented fruit extract with, I have a, like a bunch of, you can make fermented fruit extract out of just about anything. I have a recipe that I developed over the years that I, I like. It works very well. It's a good base for you to start with. You don't have to have the same recipe. That's the coolest thing is I can show you and walk you through your entire grow and give you all of my recipes and show you how to do everything. Your plants will still end up different. Your plants will still end up different. That's the coolest part. That's why I have no problem sharing my recipes. Back in the day, if your neighbor was growing Botanicare and your other neighbor was growing Botanicare and you were growing Botanicare and you were all growing the same strain, all your fucking weeds the same. Who cares? Like, it's not special. You're renting it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but no, that's the coolest part is I can show you how to do this and you guys can just, dude, make the world your oyster. It's, you know, this is just another tool in your belt. If you're already a good grower, this makes it even better. Yeah, but, um, if you're, if you've got something blueberry, if you're like, oh, I'm growing blue dream. You lay off the OHN and you do the fermented fruit extract and that'll bring out more of the berry tones into it. Or you can even do a straight blueberry hit just by itself for that last little slap to really bring out those blueberry flavors. Or if you're like, man, I fucking, I love the blueberry, but I'm fucking sick of it. I hate all the citrus. Dude, start backing off the OHN and or the fermented fruit extract, start slapping the OHN. It'll start dulling down the fruit and start making it more like a blueberry kush. That sounds interesting. Uh, I know you experimented on the same strain with oh, different yeah. nutrients, and that's one way. You get the same strain in a bunch of different atmospheres always comes out different depending on water, depending on the nutrients. Uh, with the with the medicine, it it actually increases the breek level, right? That's one term that's new to a lot of people. With the breeks, meaning sugar content when it's really sugary. Oh, the, 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 the bricks levels, yeah, yeah, the brick, the plants. Are healthy with high brick level more sugar the, the pests don't like that and it makes them more immune right is that something that helps with the immunity of the plant with this me medicine so the coolest part about the bricks levels with this is since we are using sugar so a lot of people get hung up on oh i gotta buy sugar to do this no you don't there's natural sugars in all kinds of different kinds of fruits and there's a lot of fruits that are very neutral like for instance figs super super high in sugar 
don't really need any. You can use, start using figs to use as your, your sugar source if you want to. Um, but um, everything is very, very high bricks that we're feeding to begin with. Well, as you know, um, bacterial dominance, anytime you introduce a food source, it swings your fungi to bacterial dominance. If you want, you really want your soil to be mainly fungal dominated because whenever you start adding food to it, the bacteria over dominate the fungi and it becomes bacterially dominated, but you get bacterial dominance mainly in vegetative state right before you go into like bud set. And that's when your soil likes to swing into the fungal state. You still using sugar should make everything bacterial dominant. It does not. It still allows fungi, mycelial growth, and um, mushroom populations to pop up in your soil, which is amazing to me. Um, but no, it's everything is very, very high bricks level. So the whole basis of my class is to go out and just round up all the ingredients you can and just find everything you can. I show you how to make everything. You know how to make it after that. And then you go, oh, I want to start growing all these to use as in my garden. Cause what we're doing is we're taking something that's already got mid-level bricks levels that you buy from the store. If they're organic, they're higher, but if they're picked off the vine, they're 10 times higher bricks level. So if you can go to the store and just go get something, take the class, learn how to do it. And you go, okay, I want to start growing everything. You take the stuff that we made in class, you start feeding those to the vegetable fruits and vegetables that you're going to want to ferment for your plants for next year. You start raising those bricks levels. You get a harvest out of those remake your nutrients with the ones that you just grew feed those back to that garden again and then that goes to your cannabis plants you're gonna have some of the most flavorful fucking weed ever I, I, that's my goal to do that uh it's kind of hard here because i can't have my outdoor garden i'm in colorado i don't have a long enough season or the space but once i do that is that is the goal I, we're gonna I think, take, i've been just go oh, ahead go ahead sorry, sorry about no go ahead i was Continue. saying I've, I've been growing um just herbs in my uh in my clone space. Like if I'm not doing clones, if I'm like, Oh, my rooms are set up. I'm just recycling moms. I don't need a shitload of clones. Dude, I'll just start recycling one gallon pots or even, um, milk jugs and just start growing herbs to add into my OHN. So yeah, food. companion planning, that that's a good place for people to start. If they're interested in learning about these, I uh, study yeah. companion planting a lot. I know borage and basil marigolds are all great for tomatoes and cannabis and tomatoes i kind of put them in the same category because they're very similar those three are my companion plants i use uh you've mentioned a yeah, few more uh, yeah intercropping's killer yeah that's that's uh it detests or deters some pests attracts some pests it helps you to keep it away from your cannabis plants it helps you to avoid these and isolate them that way if you ever have to do an avid sec which is a poisonous poisonous uh, insecticide, which you had consumed it, you can maybe use that on something else, but it won't get to your cannabis plant. That's something you really don't want to mess with. Um, yeah. one more thing here. I did have a couple people around here. One of the big issues that the outdoor gardens are having are grasshoppers. Do you have any recommendations Ooh. for like grasshoppers? It's like, it seems to be something, uh, the one I heard was go out, grab some grasshopper shells, uh, exoskeletons, soak them in water. It'll attract the bacteria that break down those exoskeletons. And then you can make mm. some type of spray with that, which will be concentrated in the bacteria that break down the shells of the locust or the grasshoppers. And they'll avoid that because they'll, they can mm. detect it or something. Do you have any recommendations at all for grasshoppers? Is that an issue in California? They're not super bad. Um, we normally do a pretty decent regimen of like a neem, um, enzymes, and then sulfur rotation. 
So like they don't really get too aggressive over here. We get, we end up with a lot of weird fucking bugs. We get um, boar beetles, cabbage top beetles, um, Asian beetles, uh, hemp hemp aphids, um, do you russet mites. earth ever for these uh, hard shell insects? No, I don't use diatomaceous earth at all in my garden. It kills all your soft bodies. It's a complete microbial wipe. X's fiberglass as they move and then yeah. works into their bodies and kills them. I normally Absolutely. will go like, I, yeah, grasshoppers aren't a huge issue here. Caterpillars are a bigger issue than anything over here. A lot of people are like, oh, I got botrytis this year. No, you got caterpillar damage. I think that's what it comes to, unfortunately. But there's a few places. I have a few buddies in other states. They're like, so we only get caterpillars around here like once a month. Like they, they, the white flies will come in and land on your bud and lay their eggs. The eggs will hatch and they'll just start eating them like an apple, but they have a bacteria in their mouth that whenever they touch molds, whenever they sh uh, eat, they shit and that turns mold too. Um, so most time, if you see your cola and you see that one leaf that's dead and the cola looks good, that's the only leaf, pull that bud open and look, and there's probably a little hole and you need to go and get that dude out of there and cut out that damage or it's just going to take that whole arm. But um, they mainly only come out about around full moon here. But I had a buddy that was like, no, we have them consistently. Like they don't go away. Like he's like, I can go out to my plant right now and shake it. And there's probably like five on each plant. We've got acres. And he's like, we spray for them every fucking week. It's like they're incredibly aggressive. But no, the hemp aphids are a pain in the ass too. Actually, the last project I did, um, I did tw actually, I did 2,500 plants outdoors. Um, this style, I made all the soil mixes, all the liquid feeds, all the teas, all the IPM, everything. Um, that was the first year we ran into those fucking aphids and they're a pain in the ass to get rid of, but literally the, it's the easiest thing in the world to get rid of. And you, nobody even knows it. So insecticides don't work. Fungicides don't work. Oils don't work. Enzymes don't work. Sulfur don't work. Literally the one thing that gets them to fuck off is a hard pressure water. Like you have plants that are eight or nine feet tall and you're just holding the plant up and just spraying it until you don't see them anymore. You do that for three days, they go away. They just knock like them once off. they let once they let go, they have a real hard time coming back. But once they're on the plant, they can lay like they can lay eggs. I believe it's like eight times a day. Like they're very, very, very aggressive. But I straight up took leaves off of plants off of 10 different plants and had 10 different leaves and tried spraying a bunch of different shit just to see what would kill them. Not 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 a whole lot. <laughs> not a whole lot does it. That's good to bring in beneficials to help with those. Then maybe something to, to eat something a little bit bigger to eat them. Have you ever tried the beneficials? Oh, so uh, we ha that's the thing is they like to come in when the ladybug population drops. Oh, so it's just out of out of whack the the natural control. Yeah, it's like you'll see it. Like we used to have a, a really 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 thick, really nice natural ladybug population. Like you'd see any plant, like rows in of 150 to 200 plants, like. It's half a mile long, like for days. Um, and you'd go to each plant, and there'd be like 20 ladybugs per plant. You're like, damn, just naturally. But once they all laid their eggs and then disappeared, that's when all the aphids came in and the, the babies couldn't do anything about them. Gotcha. They weren't quick enough. So you had to get them off the plant so they could actually repopulate. Gotcha. So it's about time to take another break here. We're going to take about five, 10 minutes here. We'll come back and we're going to jump into how how you can fine tune some of these different um, terpenes in the plant to bring them out again 
Uh, also talk about your classes and how people can get onto your discord or how they can go about learning all this stuff from you. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. We'll be right back. Would you like to grow your own cannabis at home? Are you able to now because it's legal in your state? Are you intimidated by the prices of seeds and worry if you can't even get the seeds to germinate? Are you worried it may be a waste of money and time to even try? This is how I felt when I first started growing for myself. Hundreds of dollars were spent and wasted because of my inexperience. Some of them got overwatered. Some of them were burnt by hot soil. Some didn't have the right environment and conditions to survive. If this is the case, and you are hesitating to purchase seeds, for a limited time, Little Farmer is offering 50 random seeds from his personal collection for only $50. That is 50 seeds for only $1 each. Normal prices for seeds start around $10, and some people charge even more than that. This is a great way to get a lot of seeds without having to spend a lot of money. This is a great chance for all those who are intimidated by their prices and don't have to worry about failing on their first attempt for germination. This is also a great opportunity to see what goes well in your environment. As we all know, some strains will grow better in different regions due to the climate, and you will be able to see what thrives in your area with the variety that you will receive. These packs are good for experienced growers as well, as I have received nothing but great feedback thus far. Some strains included consist of Blue Dream, Gelato, Gelato Cake, Vanilla Haze, Head Smack, Green Crack, Purple Headband, Granddaddy Perps, Han Solo Burger, Tangy, GG4, Dynachem, Night Nurse, Golden Goat, Cookies, GMO, and many more. To get your hands on these packs, you will need to head over to Little Farmer website at www.littlefarmer.com. That is L-I-L-P-H-A-R-M-E-R.com and put in an order. While there, you can browse other items available, including the tree lock box, to carry around all your consumption needs around in one handy lockable box. Included in the box is a pipe, a grinder, a container for your herb, a lighter, and two handy tools to help you prepare your herbs and your hash. My favorite thing about the box is the tray that you can use to break up your herb while preparing it for consumption. It is hard to spill and easy to clean up. I don't travel anywhere without mine. Finally, if you need any consulting for your home growing needs, please contact Little Farmer from his website's contact us page by leaving a message. We can help you with your lighting, growing mediums, and other growing questions because I not only sell seeds, but I help you grow them too. Make sure to take advantage of these seed prices while they last because they won't last long. And now back to the show. All right, we're back again here with Dustin from World's Last Hope. And a little bit earlier, we were talking about the terpenes and how to enhance terpenes and specific terpene profiles is something I was interested in. And uh, you said earlier, maybe introducing a fruit will help bring out a fruitier smell. Um, could you go into these different smells, uh, kind of like uh, you said, myrcene, which everybody knows is that indica or sedating trait or uh, aroma, which is kind of like uh, funky mango, maybe? That's the, uh, a little bit. Yeah. So the uh, myrcene are the long lasting flavors. So if you if you have any weed that tests like anywhere between three to five percent myrcene, probably very, 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 very flavorful. Um, so like Durban poisons, one that would test like four or 5%. It was very, very, very high. Like 
um, the Arcada E32 train wreck. Actually, the Arcada cut was even louder than the E32. Um, that one, we turned that one into sauce was straight up like you would take a dab of it and it'd take your breath away. You'd have, you'd be like, because it would like, I mean, even just smelling the jars, like it had so much like ammonia smell to it. Like it would just take your breath away. It was insane. So that, uh, that train wreck that I get, is that a little more on the uh, thin leaf side or a more exhilarating side or more? That on one, that one is just, uh, I grew that's it. just that original train wreck. I don't even know what the hell is in it. Honestly, it's been, um, it's been around for a very long time and people are actually starting to finally grow it again. But there was a time, uh, I remember back in what, like 2000 and like eight, around here that somebody had a train wreck that they were growing and it pollinated on everybody. Like there was a few, must've been a clone that was going around that everybody grew because everybody shit came back the next year. Everybody was like, Oh, these are some seeds that we found. And then it was like 90% everything was train wreck. It was fucking insane. But it's all just like that lemon lime ammonia, a lemon lime bleach, lemon lime ammonia, super, super, super loud. But, uh, no, that thing puts on some, and wait though like that train wreck you just that's why they call it train wreck because you'd be in your room and all of a sudden everything looks great so everything trellised up the next day you walk in there and it looks like a train fucking went through it because everything's everywhere you got bugs touching the floor and everything she's a dangler for sure yeah we had some at the dispensary i used to work at and i got my hands on a, a bunch of seeds and grew it out and it was it was really good the one we had had that lemony lysol smell but also had like a old man breath smell to it yeah no that train wreck is super dominant same thing with that durbin anything anything has durbin crossed into it the seed stock is mainly durbin or it has lots and lots of durbin durbin hints in it for sure very 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 dominant strain and uh so if i wanted to bring out some more of beta caryophylline or do you know anything that would bring out the, the peppery beta caryophylline type smell um, pepper, uh, that OHN, you can definitely tailor your OHN to bring out just about whatever you'd like. And then if there's a certain flavor profile that you like, dude, experiment, see if you can give it one little slap. So I feel, so everything is built from RNA and DNA. The more that you're consistently absorbing something, the more it becomes part of you. So if you give it just a little slap at the end, it's going to be part of it, but it would have been better if it was in its, its regiment as it's building itself, like completely through itself. Um, but yeah, just that's, this is the nicest part about this is trial and error experiment. If you, if there's certain flavors that you really like, I mean, even just like pine, like you were saying, um, I have a bunch of buddies around here that grow right near a whole lot of sagebrush and a whole lot of pine needles and like pine trees. Their soil is so full of fucking pine needles. doesn't matter if they're growing berry, citrus, nothing, dude, it's all got a little bit of pine hen on it. Same thing with the sage, anything growing around that sagebrush man, you can definitely taste it. It's just like around it and decomposed in the soil, slowly just leaching it up through its entire life. It's hard not, well, that's how we got strawberry fields. That's how we got um, a lot of the lemon strains, orange strains, they're grown in lemon lemon fields and strawberry fields and orange groves. Yeah, so my theory is cannabis is like a chameleon of scents and aromas. It blends well, into whatever scent is around it. If you have it with blackberry like where i'm from people put it in the blackberry thickets because nobody yep. wants to go and get in the exactly in the so it ends up coming out with a blackberry smell to it well it's all about the climatization in my opinion uh so again like the original og kush we have og kush sfv og and tahoe og they're all genetically the exact same cut climatized different areas they're all og kush that was given to friends one lived in sandananda valley 
One lived in Tahoe. After 10 years, they grew completely different and started tasting different just from being in new climates and being fed differently. What is the turnaround? I've heard something around like four generations for a plant to completely change and to adapt into its new environment and it will be strengthened. And that makes total sense. Whenever I get a cut from any dispensary at all, I don't know if it's salt fed. I don't know if it's sprayed. I don't know if it's been kept under shit light. I don't know where it comes from. So most of the time, whenever I pick up genetics from anybody, even, even if they're buddies of mine, unless they're growing my style, the plants will react differently. They'll stunt on uh, transplant. They just won't. It's like when you take a synthetic clone into an organic medium, they go, okay, well, we're going to sit here because we're so used to being salt fed. And then when they hit biology, they go, this isn't salt. So they slow down. And then literally the biology goes, ah, we're getting burnt waist deep with fucking salt. So it's just, they don't really try to mix very well. And then that sits there and, and lags. But if you have organic clones going into organic medium, they don't seem to have that little like trip up. No, but um, I normally will take a clone from a dispensary and I'll mother it out for almost a year before I put it in production. I'll literally grow it up, clone it, grow it up, clone it, grow it up, clone it. By the third to fourth time, just like you were saying, it starts getting used to how I treat it. So for instance, my Donnie burger, my garlic breath, my chem D, and I've got one other one. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I've had for a good minute now. And they are, they're plastic. Like I can tell when I have, you have certain strains that just came in and certain strains that you've had for a while. All of my older strains, dude, they're, they're plastic. I don't have to spray them. I don't have to do shit to them. And there are clones that have, I've had for fuck five, seven years. But whenever I get anything new, if it's worth it, it needs to be mothered and recycled, mothered and recycled, mothered and recycled. Next in line, you were, I tried to, I ask everybody, everybody's looking for skunk. You, uh, we talked about it a little bit ago. It's kind of hard to find skunk anywhere. Uh, do you have any hints on or anything? I know it's a sulfur thing and uh, maybe adding some sulfur, maybe overdoing it on the garlic on the natural medicine might, might boost those. Uh, you seem to like all the loud, loud strains. All the ones you just named were pretty gassy, chemi or uh, greasy, greasy strains. Uh, any, um, any hints I do for that? feel like, so, um, if you, if you're wanting to make things more sour, uh, again, the, the OHN really brings a whole lot to the table. It really does. If you don't have OHN yet, or you're learning how to want to learn how to make it, dude, get on it. Cause that is something that is like, definitely you're going to use it all the time. You're going to use it from the second you, those plants hit soil to when you're finishing your crop and it's all the way around. You can just tailor that thing. However you'd like That's whatever strain you'd like. That's first on my I mean, list to start making. And it's probably the hardest one to do, that and IMOs. But at the same time, I walk you through how to do everything. And I even hit you up after class and say, hey, I'm, this I'll is time work. to add this, this is time to add this. Yeah, exactly. Um, skunk, uh, have not seen around in a long, long time. I know there's been several companies that are trying to recreate it. Um, Brothers Grimm's got one. Uh, Kentucky Farmers got one. Um, there's a few guys trying to bring it back. But actually... I found a pheno that was pretty close in a blueberry pack, which blueberries got all kinds of fucking things. I even have a uh, pheno that was like very almost like Grinspoon, just calyx. I was thinking even maybe, uh, you know, hunters have, they put uh, skunk urine on them to keep the animals away. Maybe I'm taking yeah. some of that and put it into a water base and rooting it, putting it into the roots and drench. Maybe that, could you know, if. If it doesn't burn the plant, well, most urea, most urine is urea, so it's actually yeah. a nitrogen source. But at the same time, the pheromones off of it could definitely 
do something with terpene development for sure. I believe a lot of the old school skunk back in the day, a lot of the guys back in the nineties, a lot of them were using sulfur burners like consistently too. So yeah. you were saying the sulfur might have something to do with it too. But yeah, that was a big thing back in the day is everybody be like, Oh, can't get rid of powdery mildew. So we just consistently run a sulfur burner. Well, sulfur does not kill powdery mildew. It hides it anywhere. It's anywhere. It's touching. It's cool. But underneath and then the stocks, it's not touching it. So it's not doing anything. It's still right there. Interesting. Interesting. So, um, for all the listeners out there, you do offer classes. I know you got one coming up in the beginning of December, like December 2nd or December 3rd. Um, so, for example, I want to sign up. Where would I go to to sign up and how would I get payment done? And how would um, I know you got a booklet of material that you give out to? Would that be just downloaded? Could you run us through the process like I'm a newbie? and uh, Sure. Um, so class is December 3rd and 4th. It is a 14 to about 20 hour class. It is from eight to five post standard time, both days. Um, when you sign up, you will actually DM me on either discord or Instagram, Instagram. It's the underscore worlds underscore last underscore hope. No underscore at the end. That is my stolen account. That account will take your money. They have no problem taking your money. So make sure you're talking to me. I will verify my ID. So if you hit me up through this channel, be like, hey, so I just wanted to verify it's you. And I will actually send you a voice message, okay? Or I will actually just physically call you and show you me. Because that person has stolen a lot of money from me, unfortunately. Um, but hit me up on Instagram. Again, the, the world's last hope. All underscores, no underscore at the end. Uh, Discord, you can click my bio on my Instagram, or you can just go to my Discord, which is the world's last hope. Um, uh, whatever you sign up, um, I'll add you to a class list of everybody taking the class. I will get your email. That way I can send you over paperwork. I have a 14-page packet of everything that we're going to be covering in class, of the things that you're going to be actually making. Um, that is just an outline, pretty much. It's something that you can look at while you take notes. Uh, let me send my dogs out real quick. Uh, something you can look at while you take notes. Um, again, classes start at eight. We go from eight to five, but in class you'll learn how to make four, you'll make fourteen inputs, but we'll go over about thirty to thirty-five. Um, I'm here for help after class, so if you guys need a complete walkthrough on your gardens, or if you just need me to walk you through a couple of grows, or if you have any questions or want me to see your setups, I'm here for help. Um, yeah, this is this is the end game, 100%. Again, I've been through almost every single nutrient lineup on the carp on the market, every single medium you can think of besides aquaponics, and this is this is the end game. This is a great way to build soil, but have a complete understanding of what you're doing, why you're doing it, what it does to the plant, how the plant uptakes it, what it turns into, and how they all work together. Cool. Uh, what what is the price range on this on this class you're offering? So class is $300 per person. Um, if you have a friend that wants to take it, that's an Instagram friend or an online friend that they're going to be having their own screen. Uh, it's $150 per extra person. If they're going to be sitting in, in like next to you, it's only $50 a person. Um, I do give discounts to students and veterans. It's 50% off. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, so the, again, the class is right around $300, $300. The materials are about $300, but that will, if you make the entire list that I give you, that will do a 65 by 35 foot greenhouse three times. 
So it makes a lot of food and it's about $300, $300 to make everything if you're doing it to scale. If you have a smaller garden, you message me and tell me your garden size, how many plants you're running, and I can help scale it down. Again, even just small mason jars, really small mason jars. This will do you like this. I have a six light setup. Mason jars this big will last me a full run. What is the shelf life on something that you make there? Everything we make lasts over a year. Um, anything that you keep adding to doesn't go bad. So literally like you're making uh, mycelium colonizations, putting them into a liquid form, and then you're going to be continually adding to them. So year after year, they just get better and better. Your OHN, same thing, more herbs and everything you start adding into it and you keep adding to it, it just gets better and better. So the only way they die pretty much is if you leave them alone for like over a year, but more than, li but more than likely you'll be using them before that. Awesome. Yeah. But you end up making a lot of food for a very, 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 very cheap. It's a cheaper, it's cheaper than most one runs for any other company. And this is actually cheaper than most one bottled nutrients. I mean, I can scale this again. I did 2,500 plants outdoors. My last project before that, it was 7,500 and five 100 foot light depths. Before that, it was 1,500 and two auto depths. Before that, it was 600 for depths and outdoor and we repeated them over and over and it was 100% this style. Do you um, have any information out there for people that they can just go online and look for your information if they don't have time to sign up for the class or is there any way they can pay for the booklet with your recipes or uh, personally um, I'd love to, but I'm so I, I work too much. So I don't have time to do that personally, but I would love to get a, get my hands on your recipe book and try to try to mix around with something. So I used to have it available in my bio, but that other account was stealing everything from me. So it'll more than likely be available in my discord or if anybody just needs it, just, just message me and I'll send you an email. It's not a big deal. Um, I actually gave my recipes to the community like four or five years ago, just to be like, here you go. That is just the basic info though. That is like one 50th of the information that we actually go over. That's the, it's just some, it's some information, but it's not even close to all of it. It's just something to follow along with while I do my class. It gives you an outline and a remembering on how, how and what you're trying to do, but it also comes with a feed chart. But, um, I do class one time a month. Um, I try to do them one, once a month, depending on turnout. Um, this month's the third and the fourth. Um, but yeah, if anybody wants to DM me, um, Instagram or on, um, discord, We'll set it up. I will put your link to the correct Instagram when I upload this. It'll have the link in the description so everybody can hit the link, get right to your Instagram. Uh, we'll get your email there too. If somebody can only do it by, or by email because they don't have an Instagram or something and Discord's new to people. So uh, if you don't have a Discord account, people go out and get a Discord account. There's a lot of information out there, not just from World Class Hope. Uh, there's just tons and tons of people because Instagram and YouTube and these other sites and Facebook are taking down accounts. They're shadow banning people. They're scammers out there. So best discord. It's a private server. It's easier to communicate there. I'm going to learn it. Uh, Dustin here is going to try to learn it. He's available there. So look for it. World's last hope on discord. And um, I highly appreciate you coming on the show today and spreading your knowledge. It is great. There's people out there and not, trying to take everybody's money you know it's uh it's a it all started with compassion in california and uh i want to make sure that continues and doesn't go straight to a few big large entities 
controlling everything like a tobacco or the alcohol that's being sold in the United States. Uh, right. Support your caregivers, support your local. Um, if you have any little questions, farmers. yep, the Little Farmers Unite, that's, that's what we need. Uh, healing the planet, my motto is uh, saving the planet one seed at a time. So uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, we will try to have you back on again here pretty soon, Dustin. And if anybody has questions, you can reach out to me. I will reach out to Dustin myself if you can't get to him. And if anybody else is out there, has something they want to say, experts in the field of cannabis, any part of it, and you want to be on the podcast, reach out to me and we'll see what we can do. And uh, thanks again, Dustin, and you have a great day. And I'll reach out to you. I'm going to try to get that recipe book. I'll check on Discord to see if I can get it. If not, I'll, I'll be emailing you. Yeah, do it. <laughs> <laughs> and again, if, any, if, if anybody's not making the inputs in class, most people end up actually, I end up, I have about a 30% return rate of people retaking the class. Most people either want to make the inputs or take notes. Um, even the notes are worth it. Most people walk away with at least 10 to 14 pages of notes. So don't be afraid. You guys can totally sneak in the last minute. And again, I'm here for help. I feel like I've tried to help our community and tried to raise the bar. So I'm trying to bring everybody along with me. And if you turn around and raise the bar too, bring us all along with us. Like, you know, that we're just benefiting everybody. Yep. Spread the love people. And we will see you soon. And thanks to you, man. Have a good day, Dustin. You too, man. Peace. Do you have a business with a product or service that you would like to advertise? Now you are able to hear on Reefer, the Reefer, the podcast. These ad slots will be limited to products that we endorse here on Reefer the Reefer and would be a great opportunity for exposure at a cheaper rate due to the fact the podcast is still new. So in the future, when new listeners tune in, they will hear about your products and service and they will be assured that it is a good product that we endorse here on Reefer the Reefer and use it ourselves. Contact Little Farmer on his website or send an email to littlefarmer at outlook.com for more information. Call him Dr. Earth for the healing meditation and good vibration. For food, fuel, fiber, and a little bit of fun. See, the joint ain't necessarily the point, but I want one.